I want to look at three other words that begin with run, because if we run, we need to have correct focus. And um, we need to know what we're on the track to do. And so I want to talk to you about three things that need to be, I believe, the focus, um, your focus as much as there are focus, because I believe it's a part of a mission that God's calling us to. But also that we're not trying to do everything, um, but we're focusing on that which is expedient or that which is needed. And so I want to speak to you as church leaders. I want to speak to you as people heading up other departments. And just really to speak to you something that I recently said to my pastors, because I think as I was coming here, I thought it was good advice for what we're doing here. But in all that we're doing now, that we're on the track, we're out of the bleachers, we're in our lane, we're ready to run, we're going to run with, to get our crown, amen, we're, we're going to go for it. What do we need to focus on? I think the worst thing that we can do is over-focus on a lot of things so that we take the margarine of who we are and we spread ourselves so thin that we don't have any flavour. Which means we may have been doing a lot of things coming into lockdown, but coming out, we need to be focused. And I would encourage you, something that God's been speaking to my heart was I called all my pastors together recently, at the beginning of a year again, and said, okay, I need you all just to concentrate on three things. There's so much we could do, and a lot of these, uh, there's a lot of subcategories to these three things. But I need you all to stay with these three things. And if you do, they'll be self-propelling, self-fueling, and we'll get a result. So they all begun with R. So the first one is reach. The second is retain. And the third is release. If we keep the focus of what we're doing as churches around the mission of these three things, I think we can end up somewhere that we never knew was possible. And things will be different in the dynamic of our church. Because actually, they're three great words, but they come in sequence. Reach needs to be a passion in our hearts. Why? Because it's a commissional verse. It's, it's the Lord Jesus Christ in us, commissioning through us for an objective. So reach. We need to talk to our church. We need to make sure that in the culture of who we are, we're passionate about reach. Now, you guys have already done Soul Winner. A whole bunch of you did Soul Winner. That would be one section of reach. But we've got to keep contending to keep evangelism off of the stage and in the lifestyles of the people. Because you can attend a Soul Winner. I've seen my own people do this and then go back to the factory setting of that's your job. No, no, we're not going back there. We're somewhere new now. So, again, with soul winning, we need to, as leaders, continue to speak about reaching people. Not in our meetings or on our stages alone, but in the lifestyles that we're living. And sometimes it's carried, culture is carried on conversations. And so even from the stage, even in when you're talking to your teams, you need to every now and then be, be teasing this or prodding this. Are you guys still telling others about Jesus? Yeah. Are you still praying for the people in your circle? Yeah. Are you still... Because if evangelism is allowed to come back to a stage experience, we'll just go through the motions that we've already known. We've got to do what we can to keep the culture of our church an outward-looking church, reaching people. It's not one thing we do it's actually the main thing we do because the next thing we do which is retain doesn't happen unless we get the first one right so if i was to write these three words on this this imaginary whiteboard i've got here right now right reach i'd actually spell it correct this time normally when i do it, i can't spell very well second retain and find one release one leads into the other one but in all that you're doing make sure you're giving good time and strength energy and attention to reaching people, how we reaching people. And, and somebody asked me a question recently. They said, well, how do we keep that in the culture of the church? I said, you talk about it. So from a stage, whenever you're doing announcements, if you've got stage involvement, you say, everybody, everybody's still praying for their loved ones. Yeah. Don't let it slip back into a stage experience. Contend yeah. to keep reach in the hearts of the people. But again, as leaders, we need to model that because when we keep something cultural, it's we speak about it, we model it, we demonstrate it. And so 
when somebody gets um, saved wonderfully, I think baptisms are a brilliant opportunity for this stuff, isn't it? But other times in this stage, hey guys, are you still praying for your friends and family? Are you still committed? Remember what we learned in Soul Winner. Remember, you know, we're a soul winning church. Keep reach, key focus in what you're doing. In your teams, but I run a team that does practical things. It doesn't matter, they're still called to be soul winners. And what we have in the cells affects the body. So if we bring the body to an evangelistic meeting, it has an effect, but not as great as if every cell is saying, I'm a soul winner. Jesus, would you give me opportunities? Lord, would you cause me to bump in? So just keep that in the conversation of what you're doing. So focusing on reaching people. You know, uh, what does evangelism look like for you as a church? You may have events that you go out. You may be doing some street work. You may be doing some different styles of evangelism. But remember, none of those things are a replacement for raising a people to have evangelistic lifestyles. But you're going to be always pushing against a factory setting or a counterculture in, in that person's life because everything in them has been trained and wants to go back to sitting in a chair watching someone else do it. But it's worth contending for. So we, we're, we're a, a reaching church, outreach. We talk about outreach. We talk about the world outside. When we have great stories of people that we had moments to share testimonies. We, you know, I had one uh, two weeks ago. I was walking down, I was walking down this, uh, a footpath near where I am. I was with Timmy, the young guy that's going to marry Olivia, uh, my daughter. And um, we're walking along. And all of a sudden, these two guys on, on bikes caused an older man to crash. This was just two Mondays ago. 75-year-old man came off his bike, hit his head. I turn up a minute later, and I thought, this is a little bit good Samaritan here. And um, I got down. He was bleeding out of his nose. The ambulance took 45 minutes to come. There was another guy that had been with the police there. We had to start giving this guy um, CPR, turn him on. He died, holding my hand. Um, and, and I was holding his hand and, and, and I said to the other guy there, I don't care what you think, I am praying and I was praying over the guy and of course Timmy, you don't need any encouragement he's like, he's in there um, and we're praying but I'd love to say, and he came back and walked away no, he didn't he, he, I knew he'd gone when we, we'd brought him back once and he was holding my hand and twice he became conscious first time I got his name out of him and then the second time he just came out of um, unconscious for a moment and said to me, I just want to die. And it wasn't a statement of his physical being. That was the sound of his life. Why am I saying that? It was sad. I was holding his hand and I was praying for him, but I thought, how many times could I have walked past that guy? Cycling. It was obviously a cycle route. And it motivated me not to listen to my fears, go talk to that person. We need to keep these conversations going in what we're doing. Because I opened up the paper yesterday. I was trying to find out what happened to him. And then in, in the paper yesterday, it was his family giving tribute for his life. Um, so he'd, he'd passed away. The news said that he passed away. And basically, when we were holding him, he went. And we kept bringing him back. And it was a kind of really messy there. They're still trying to find. But listen, people die in a moment. We've got to remain conscious and be having a people who are walking as good Samaritans. I don't know if holding his hand when he went made him feel better. I don't know if praying over him did it. I don't know. But I know that I was there a moment after to be a part of that somehow. We've got to raise our people to be reaching mentality that when they leave their homes, they're looking, where do you want to use me, Lord? Where do you want where, where do you... It won't take long for churches like that to rise to the surface of what God's doing because God's looking for people that are reach-minded. Okay, so you guys are good at reaching people. You love evangelism. You love soul winning. Just keep on massaging that, all right? As leaders, you represent teams within the church. Be massaging them. It's not just about what they do. Are they winning souls? Are you praying for souls? Are you still praying for your uncle and auntie? Are you still praying for your cousin? Keep those conversations going. But then, if we get reaching right, we're now with another letter called retain. Because again, sometimes we may be brilliant at reaching people, but we don't keep them. Which means we need to, as teams, talk about how are we retaining people. Because the good news is, there may be a million people that aren't coming back to church, but loads of new people are. Things happened in COVID 
that stirred people's minds, took away people's securities, prompted them to get their lives to church. We've got to make sure we're not just clapping when people are coming through our door the first time, but we're doing everything we can to make them come back a second time and then begin to make home with us and grow with us. Now, when I'm talking to my different congregations, it's interesting. I'm talking about these three words, reach, retain, release. And I could look at one of my congregations and say, you guys are brilliant at reaching, but you're not good at retaining. So let's work on retaining, shall we? Um, And then I could look at another one of my churches and go, actually, your problem, when people come, you're brilliant, but you're just not good at reaching people. So let's massage that one. So what I'm doing with one of my congregations could be completely different to what I'm doing with another one. But all three matter because they live together and they create a cycle, a cycle we want to be in. So when we look at retain, that's got spiritual and practical. We need to be able to walk through our churches as leaders and have eyes of unsaved people and look at different things we've done a certain way and ask ourselves brave questions. Do we need to change that? You know, for us, when we started to come back to the school, the school, if you've ever been near the school we meet in, it's ugly. It's not a great building. We do the best we can with it. We're setting up. We've got guys there. You know, we're 25 years old this year. 25 years, I've had 40 to 50 people at the gate, 7 o'clock every morning. No one's ever complained. We've built church. We do the best we can with it. And um, I'm like, great Christmas, a birthday present, Lord. 25 years, building. Thank you. Um, <coughs> but when you come through the school, it's like I, I, I walked through and I thought, <coughs> hold on, we've got hosts on the doors, but they're not the right ones. They're passionate or they're faithful, but it's not the best appearance that we could give. Let me move them around a little bit. Now, again, without insulting him, um, my dad, I moved him around because my dad's 86. He's awesome. He is hilarious, but he's so blunt. He was like me. He was a fruit and veg salesman. So he's just wonderfully blunt, my dad. Um, He just, yeah, which is brilliant but not when you're a first-time visitor meeting him. (laughs) Faithful, no one will be there earlier. (coughs) No one will be there earlier than Dad. He'll stay there till it's done. He's faithful, he does it all. But the thing is, if he's the first experience walking in, see, my dad, we say to the stewards, try and get people to sit nearer the front when they're coming in. So the hosting team will go to people, hey, would you like to just come, Dad? Right, go sit down in the front. Go sit down the front. <laughs> Loves them. Over, over the moon. Of it, and, and, and he'll come out and go, where'd you get that hat? Charity shop? And it just, it just, I love him for it. It's always been like that. And it, I'm a little bit like that myself, so I have to wrestle those things myself. I don't want to put him off team because he's a faithful man. But I want people to meet him <laughs> later, <laughs> in it. They need to meet him. Everybody needs to meet my dad. <coughs> but they just need to stay a while first or, or, or hang around. But also when we walked in, what we found was on our doors, we had a lot of the faithful older people of our church, but there wasn't an expression of young people. And we've got a lot of young people in our church. So little things, we walk through and we say, okay, we've got people to come reach. Brilliant. That's good. Let's keep up with that one. Let's keep that plate in the air. Now let's talk about when they come, What do they experience with our hosting? How we welcome them? All those little things that people say don't matter, but they really do because those little things appeal to the soul of a person. And in the first few weeks of a person coming to church, it is a soulish relationship more than a spiritual one. Now, we're trying to get to the spirit of who the person is, but sometimes it's us walking through going, do we have a happy moment when people first hit the building? You know, how are they greeted? When they, for us, we always used to um, sell our tea and coffee and give it to missions. And that. I'm not saying there's a right or wrong to that. But for us, we went, no, no, let's develop a living room now. But when they come, it's all free, just like you would come, it's free. And we even made the biscuits free. And I'm like, I'm feeding half of Portsmouth with biscuits at the moment. We've got we've to do something about this. You know, the little packets of biscuits. I'm like, so Stuart, I said, this is ridiculous. We're spending more on biscuits than we are on buildings at the moment. It's like single mothers are just filling their, their purses with them and, and feeding the kids for a week, you know. And I'm like, 
but we did say we want it to be a living room and everybody should, you know, get a brew and have a biscuit and stuff. So, you know, there's a constant managing. But again, you guys represent the culture of the house when people are coming in and things that will determine whether a person wants to stay or wants to come back a second time. Now, the good news is I've been in your meetings and, you know, there's life in your meetings. There's friendliness, there's welcome. But that can't be in a few. It needs to be in all. So if you head up departments in the church that deal with natural things, you could be responsible for an element of a retained success in your church. But we don't just want people coming once. We want to see them again. I've got, um, you know, Steve from Haven. He's now, we've given him the role in family church as church health pastor. So he spends a few days of his week just looking at the overall health how many people came in the congregations, how many people came back a second time, how many people connected with a small group, and all those kind of things. Because what we want to do is just not have people visit, get saved. We want them to come and make home with us, if that's fitting. If they're visiting and that, I'll get that. That doesn't work. We get them locked into a church. So we've got the natural side, which is hosting and practical things that we do. Um, even the other day, I was listening to our sound, and it was too loud um, for some of the people that were older in our congregation. So I said, no, 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 come on. We want all age sound in this place. And it's monitoring those things that some would say aren't important, but they really are because I've had people who are over 50 or 60 not come back because it was too loud. And it didn't produce anything being too loud. There was no real fruit in it. So it's almost, if the pastors have to do this, that's too much for them to keep noticing so many small things. But when we want to retain people by managing them and welcoming them correctly as in the culture of the leaders, then we're working together with that. Another way to get people to stay is to have a discipleship mentality. I really believe that a part of the focus that God wants us to move into now isn't just reaching, but helping people to journey straight away from conversion to follower. Now, you've heard me preach messages before on crowd and disciple. But it's that moment, to me, when people come to our churches, an element of them want to sit there and watch, but a lot of them really don't. In them, they want to grow in their walk with God. They want to grow in their experience of God. And what I've been trying to do in family church is going, okay, one of the things that causes us to retain people is if we move them as quick as we can from being reached to helping them become most followers of Jesus. And again, that's about little things like getting them connected into a small group. Now, I know some people it's easy, other people it's hard, isn't it? Some people, it's like, how can we put this politely? It's like pushing diarrhea uphill, trying to get them to um, get into a small group. You know what I mean? It's like sucking porridge through a sock. It's, it's just, you know, it's, it's like, but we know it's good for them because the best experience of a church of a person isn't just big church on a Sunday, it's small church during the week. We want, our agenda is greater than theirs. We believe they belong in a community because their lives will be impacted if they are. So little things, how do we do discipleship? How do we make not just evangelism lifestyle, but discipleship lifestyle? If we're going to get evangelism off of the stage alone into the lives of the people, we've got to have a plan of getting discipleship out of the classroom alone, but a lot of them don't come to because anything out of an hour and a half on Sunday mornings is a liberty. You know, come out Sunday night or do you good. Oh, we'll see. So we've got to make sure that we make discipleship more about people walking with people, not just classrooms. Now, we've got courses. We've got Welcome Home course. We just totally reinvented our discovery course. Stuart wrote it. It's called Welcome Home, all based on the prodigal son. We freshened all that up, and it feels good because some things you know when they don't feel fresh. That's the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Go freshen them up. Your hosting team, you're welcome. What you do on Sunday morning starts. All of these things are fun things that we can always be tweaking. But also, we need to have a passion in our hearts that our agenda is not to get a person to visit one week, lift their hands, we got them born again, we never see them again. That's not the culture of the Great Commission. The Great Commission is actually a commission not to get people saved, but to make disciples, but you can't make pots until you've got clay. So to get to disciple-making, we have to go through soul-winning. But, you know, to me, it's like in family church, we changed some things. We used to do something like most churches at the end of a service we would get people to lift their hands somebody would approach them and then we would try to uh, get them involved in discipleship groups and classes what we've done now is i've said no we want a culture of i've called it disciple makers that 
what we're looking to do is now have a structure that when a person responds in church on Sunday, we've ticked reach. Now, how do we get them to retain and belong? I've got a team of people called Disciple Makers where we personally introduce a person that lifted their hands to someone that looks like them and their agenda is to walk with them for six weeks. Now, trying to get the church to do that sometimes is diarrhea uphill because they don't understand the importance of these things. But we've already seen the fruit of it, that when that person, and we've written this book called Disciple Maker of Emmanuel, and all of our guys get it. And it's little things like, okay, we all know how the devil kept us away from taking the next step. And um, again, I'm a picture man. And when I, when I was talking to the guys that head up our disciple makers, I said, all right, this is what I'm seeing. I'm seeing a game of snakes and ladders. That's what we're dealing with here. I said, now, in a game of snakes and ladders, yeah, and so I put the picture of it in the manual. I said, yeah. they've, just got, they've just got born again, which means they're actually not at a one. They're actually at a hundred already. But we've got to let them catch up with themselves because they've already received everything in Christ they're ever going to get. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I, can hear, I can hear Pastor Colin going, yes, that's good, Andy, on that one. Yeah. <laughs> so in, spiritually and in truth, the moment they got born again, they went from number one to being seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus in part of heaven, in, in number 100. But we all know there's also a journey that we're sanctified, but being sanctified, there's a process in what we're doing. So we've looked at it and I've said, okay, right, we've all played this game ourselves. What normally happens is you get home Sunday afternoon, you begin to think, what did I do this morning? That was emotionalism. That was silly. Never mind. Didn't hurt anyone. So I get my disciple makers to ring them by the end of the night and say, just want to let you know that decision you made this morning was the best decision you'd ever make in your life. Hey, is there any way that we can connect? I want to, you know, if we're here for you. And then we're like, okay, the next one, the next snake head that makes you go down is going to church next Sunday. And the devil's working all out to stop them. The microwave blowing up, the dog's throwing up, the kids are falling down the stairs. You know, because the last thing the enemy wants them to do is take another square. Because then they'll be heading to arrive where they already are. You get that, right? So our guys say, you know, we're saying to our disciple makers, we want you to arrange to meet them at the door, pick them up. Six weeks, these people are yours to get them. Water baptism into, a, in, into a, the discovery group, the, the welcome home course. We put the responsibility of that not on the stage or the classroom, but again, on saints that are willing to carry that, which my heart is we'll get more and more saints that want to because suddenly disciple-making becomes something they done. So in the back of a disciple-maker, I've included the chapter from the back of Soul Winner that teaches 24 key aspects of salvation. But that person can feel confident to meet with that person. My ideal world, if you want to come into the ideal world of Andy, of how this looks, it looks like this. person in church on Sunday puts their hand up. The head of disciple-making in the congregation then matches them with someone like themselves, whether that's cultural, age, marriage, single. We try to look for a disciple-maker that would fit them. Then that disciple-maker takes them under the wing for the next six weeks. He talks to them by the end of the day. He's meeting them next week. He's saying, have you got any questions? Let me tell you about what it is to be born again. Did you understand what they did? They'll sit with them in church. Am I there yet? No, but this is my persuasion. Because I think if we get that right, our retention will be incredible, but also we'll start making disciples that leads us to number three, now having people we can release into ministry. See, we all want to be releasing people into ministry, but we can't release people until... It's like what Paul says when he talks about how will they hear unless somebody's sent. He gives this beautiful, simple process of if you want people to hear, they've got to hear, they've got to have someone sent so that they can hear. It's the same. We've got to look at these three things. In, you know, uh, uh, in this church, in the moment you're in, you've got to be reaching people. But also you've got to be having conversations as leaders. We may be retaining, but are we retaining as good as what we could? In the practical of how we retain, are we doing? But also, how can we bring something in the church that causes people to instantly move from conversion to climb in the ladder of snakes and ladders? That we're helping them to avoid the snake heads, but to find the next ladder but we're helping them, we're walking with them to help them come up until they develop a momentum and attraction of their own. 
and they understand that all of a sudden the Holy Spirit's living in them, all their sins are forgiven, that they've put, you know, all that kind of stuff, you know. So retain's important. And even in teams, you can have this conversation, you know, hey, we're good at reaching people, but we don't retain them. Stop and talk about it. Because the end goal is release. And when we get release right, we suddenly have an army of people reaching, retaining, and we find ourselves in a cycle that then we're managing success. But it's not dependent on our next Sunday because it's cultural. So I just wanted to throw those three things out. Reach, retain, release. What does release look like? Um, Putting on, again, stuff within our discipleship that grows a person from seated observer to hands-on doer. Training people for the works of ministry, which is the full expression of what the Bible says in Ephesians, the purpose of church ministry is. Um, It's every ascension gift is there to release and equip the saints for works of ministry. Release. Does that mean everybody's going to be a pastor? No, but everyone can be pastoral. Is everyone an evangelist? No, but everyone's evangelistic. Is everyone a prophet? No, but everyone's prophetic. And so what we're actually doing is... I think we've, over the years, demanded too much from the stage that the stage couldn't give us. And by the stage, I also include those who carry an ascension gift. Because we made ascension gifts something that demonstrated, not something that equipped. And we're in this massive turn again, where if we could get the prophets teaching everyone to prophesy, the evangelists teaching everybody how to win souls, the pastors teaching everybody how to care, the teachers helping people understand the word, and who have I left out? Apostles, who were basically just sent ones that teach other people how to be sent. Then suddenly, the life that was in the gift that Jesus Christ gave to his church, not the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of Christ to the church, suddenly equipped the church and we break out outside the building. Um, It's exciting. This is our future. It's brilliant. Um, Okay, what time we got? Here's another couple of thoughts I'll just throw in as extras because I want to use every minute I've been given if that's cool. Um, let's close the book, otherwise we'll never get out of here. Okay, let's retain and celebrate a both-and way of thinking, not an either-or. And there's no compromise in that statement. It's just like I wrote in the book Blueprint. So often I think church leaders create struggles because they don't know how to celebrate two things that work together rather than doing one thing. Now, in my book, Spiritual Leader, I wrote about how they're not opposing forces. God wants every one of you not just to be a leader, but to be spiritual. He wants every one of you not just to be spiritual, but to be a leader. And there's times where you need to be spiritual, and there's times where there's good leadership needed. Jesus modeled that really well. He was a phenomenal leader. Um, He was a genius when it came to leadership. He was an incredible leader, but we also know he was spiritual personified. But another one that sometimes people struggle with because people are wired differently in leadership is, I actually spoke to my staff about this about two weeks ago. I said, we celebrate the both and of random and structure. Because our staff represent both. But both are needed. I represent random. If you met my executive pastor, Stuart, he represents structure. I mean, the guy, I don't think he can just rip toilet paper off. He has to count it, fold it, work out what's coming after. (laughs) I don't know how he lives in his world, you know. He's just like, me, I just spin it like the lottery or the Wheel of Fortune, you know. But Stuart, I think he's rationing for the family, how many are in the family, how many bits. You know, I'm not wired that way, you know. But within your leadership, if it's a healthy leadership, you're going to have an element of random people that just, what's the Holy Spirit doing this morning? That's like me, really is. And then you're going to have structured people. We call them, I've thought on this before, you know, you're either more prone to be a Mary or a Martha, but what we need is Mary Arthur. (laughs) But you need to work out which one is your due north and your natural, but also be investing in understanding the other one. And because actually, we don't just want a church that's random. We also need a church that's well-structured. But we don't want a church that's just well-structured because there's so much life that comes in the random. And actually, all of us embrace the two things in our lives regularly and enjoy them. You see, if you've got no structure to your finances, you won't have opportunities to be random with your finances. 
And none of us like budgets. I hate them. I think they're, they're evil. Evil things. I just want a bottomless pit and just keep giving it away to people, you know. But what I've discovered in my life is actually when I get structure right in my finances, it gives me moments where I can be random. All right? But a person that's just being random with their finances without structure is a person that buries themselves alive. It's like, as a visionary, being highly random, if I didn't have stewards, um, some of their meetings, I tell them, I say, your meetings bore me to tears, and I'm not coming. I, I, tell them, I used to be more polite. I'm like, I, I, there was a, I walked into a meeting the other day, and it was my executive pastor, my business manager, my office manager, all of them working full-time doing something, operations manager, and I walked in, and they're looking at a whiteboard, and they've got all this paper on the desk. And I walked in. I let them use my office. I walked in. I said, oh. I said, this does not look fun. And I left, and they all laughed. <laughs> but I'm so glad that they're in the room doing that. Because otherwise, I'd random. I'd bury myself alive. I'd be like a drill bit. <laughs> and like, whoa, I buried myself. You need people behind you removing the dirt and repackaging it. And I actually say to those guys, you really need to thank the Lord for me. You'd be so bored if I wasn't alive. <laughs> you'd have nothing to structure. You'd, you'd be like the Holy Spirit floating around in the universe going, speak, Lord. You know, give me something to work with, you know? I said, but actually, we, we work together. Now, in health, and again, this is every man's battle, every woman's battle, we have to have some structure of how we eat and what we eat so that we can produce moments of being able to be random with our eating. Or, in my early years, I thought you didn't. And I was going to explode by the age of about 27, I think. Because structure gives liberty for random. And both are present. But sometimes they don't naturally get on. Who's our example? Mary and Martha. They're hilarious, those two, aren't they? But you've got Jesus comes to town, all right? Random slides at his feet. I just want to sit at your feet, drink from the cup. In. I love you. I love. Meanwhile, structures in the kitchen, <laughs> watching through the hatch. <laughs> so we got Jesus. We got, I don't know, it was about 10 disciples with him. They got some of their family and some of their friends, you know. <laughs> Jesus is good at making friends. We've probably about 50, 60 people needing feeding. How many falafels have we got in the fridge? All right, have we got enough pita bread? Where are we going to get more pita bread from? Yeah, okay. And, and, and she's looking through the hatch, and, and Mary's over here, random. Just want to sit at your feet, bring the cup in your hand. And, 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 and Martha's looking at it thinking, you lazy man. That's what she's thinking. She's thinking, you, you lazy man. And in the end, she can't control herself, and she says, Jesus? Could you have a word with her? Her. And she's expecting Jesus to go, all right, Mary, away with you, you little tinker, singing all those <laughs> But Martha's shocked when Jesus said, both of these are important, but at this moment, this is more important. See, they weren't able to translate the moments. It wasn't that both weren't needed. Now, I've actually moved... I actually used to be more Martha in the way I lived. I was like, I could manage a lot of things. I didn't. But I've actually drifted more to being somebody that's just, I know what I'm going to do. I know what I'm going to The best of me comes out of random. Um, don't make Peter poor, you know. It, it, don't make Peter poor. Let Peter be Peter. Let Paul be poor. But understand that in the ministry you need both. But you won't have both if both think they're not meant to be with each other. And in your department and in your team, celebrate the difference of people who are more structured and people who are more random. No one wins. No one's better than the other. But actually, if you get that mix right in departments and in churches, what you produce is incredibly fresh, but it's also unstoppable, and it will be here same time next week. And I've just learned to celebrate both of those things in what we do. But there's, you know, different wiring. God's made us all so wonderfully different than me. 
let's not be like Martha and Mary and judging each other, but just going, okay. I can remember this really kicked in. We had a real Mary-Martha moment. There's many things that I'm so thankful for, for Pastor Colin. But you've heard me share before that we had a move of the Spirit, a genuine, I can only say it's happened once in the family church to this degree, but there was a genuine move of the Spirit in family church. But what the move of the Spirit did was brought out the Marys and the Marthas. It was incredible. Pastor Colin came and he was doing a three-night, um, I think it was about seven years ago, something like that. He was doing a three-night uh, Bible teaching for us, School of the Word. He was just coming and teaching the Word. We had probably, I don't know, 150, 160 people in the room. And, um, and Pastor Colin, he got to the last night and I poisoned him with a sausage. It, it wasn't me. It was the restaurant, but I felt responsible. And, uh, you know, he, he encouraged me as he was leaving. I've never left a meeting because of food poisoning. I went, well, thank you. Um, <laughs> sorry. You know, sorry it happened here. You know. And so we're there, and Pastor Collins teaching this incredible message on who we are in Christ. You know, you call me Lord, Lord. You don't, say, you don't do what I say. All that kind of great stuff. And all of a sudden, Pastor Collins there, and he, 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 he goes, he looked at me, he went, halfway through the message, Let's stand and let's worship the Lord. And so everybody stood and worshiped the Lord thinking, what's going on? So he says to me, I've got to go now. And him and Robin walk out the door. And I think, what is going on? And then I found that later it was attacker for sausage. Um, but it got to him like it got to other, you know, I thought, no, you're not human. You shouldn't suffer these things, you know. You're calling, you know, a mere sausage. But he actually said to me afterwards to remove my guilt and shame. He said, the Lord wanted me out of a meeting at that point. He said, I'd done what I was meant to do. So we're in this moment. He's handed me the mic, and I'm like, hey, everybody having a good night in that incredible teaching from Colin? Anyway, welcome back to the shallow end. Andy's here now. You know. um, everybody been swimming in the deep end, loved that. Hey, welcome to the splash pool. Andy's back. You know, and... and um, so I'm there thinking, what are we going to do? So I thought, well, it worked for him. I said, hey, why don't we stand up again? Because I'm thinking, I don't know what we're doing. And, uh, and I said, listen, Colin, um, Pastor Colin shared about, I said, one thing that kept standing out was you call me Lord, Lord, but you don't do what I say. I said, we can't ask the Lord to send fire if we don't put anything on the altar. And I just said, maybe you've got stuff in your heart and the Holy Spirit's just making you aware. Why don't we just in this moment just put it on the altar? Oh, my goodness. In that second, the Spirit of God fell like I'd never seen it before, never seen it afterwards. It was about nine at night, 12 o'clock, people are crying out, God, people are bringing me texts and going, I've forgiven the person, I, I couldn't even wait till I left the building. This is people that told me they never would. The Spirit moved in that room. And people are getting, I'm saying word of knowledge, someone's just getting healed. It's just like easy. It was like cutting, nothing was impossible. It's like we stepped into heaven. And people are just, every, our, our worship just didn't work. We had all these great songs that we'd learned. And in the end, I had to say, this is just rubbish. Stuart, where are you? And Stuart's my kind of, he gets on the keyboard and he just starts giving it. Oh, to Jesus, I serve. Presence of God's there. I'm weeping. I don't want to go anywhere. I just want to go to heaven. Yeah, I'm, I'm flat. I'm on my face. The building hadn't been renovated. There's a rat popping up looking at me like that. I'm on my prostrate out there like that. I'm looking and my kids are laid out. Police inspector walks in the back, looks around, walks to the front, gives his life to Christ. It was just like we were in hell. It was like, what is going on here? And it, I said, look, I don't know what. About, about half 12, I went, I couldn't stop people singing. But they were just singing in tongues. They didn't want to sing words. They just wanted to... It was, And I went, um, all right, I'll, I'll be back here tomorrow night. I mean, I'm just... I'm, I'm wrecked. I'm wrecked. And I turned back the next night, and there's people are outside on time. I'm like, wow. We started on time with a full room, and people were just desperate. Again, we couldn't use the songs. We just strum and presence of God came people were singing in the spirit for two and a half hours just not wanting to stop the Lord said to me that night you're not to study one word every morning I'll give you a, a statement from the Bible and you preach on it and uh, so I said every morning I came to it three weeks this went on for and uh, I would come before the Lord and he'd just give me one statement and it was some of the best stuff I'd ever preached because it was just the spirit 
just coming through in my life. People were just before the Lord and stuff like that. Now, it was just insane. And then after about three weeks, I felt the Lord on the Friday night. I came before him and I said, what next, Lord? He said, I'm done. Finish it. He said, I've done what I wanted to do. And I knew it was a foretaste of something that we were going to see. I knew Jesus had given me a foretaste. That wasn't my one-off experience. It, the Lord was saying, this is what you're going to taste in the days that are coming. But I'm saying all that to say, at the same time, my homeless teams, my building teams, were like, what is going on with you lot? We'd be in here worshipping like Mary. Oh, Jesus, whatever, take it all. I don't even know what I'm asking. And there they'd be like, yeah, we're going out on a homeless run. People are still starving in our city. Yeah, don't you guys carry on. We'll make the sandwiches. Take care of them. And suddenly, the presence of God awoke the Martha that cared about what we were doing, but also the Mary that said, there's a time when you just stop. What does the presence of God awake in you? Again, no one's wrong. But we've got to be able to say, the reason that I, I could stop, I stopped everything for three weeks. I just walked into the staff meeting. Two days later, I went, Everything's cancelled. Youth, cancelled. Midweeks, cancelled. God's doing something. But because we had structure and things that were led correctly, suddenly random could break out and nothing could stop us. And since then, unknowingly, I've kind of built the church and led the church for that moment to happen whenever God wants it to. That everything's structured and in place, but not that precious but it won't stop when Jesus comes and pays us a visit. Our meetings, we've all been in meetings when we've thought, this is beautiful, but it needs some structure here. We've all been in meetings when we went, that's a little bit too structured. Come on, random and structure. Let's do things with excellence, because excellence comes from structure. But let's be saying, Lord, whatever we're building, just like we would handle budgets to be able to have random moments financially. Let's lead church well. Let's have good structure. Let's celebrate those who represent structure, efficiency, proficiency, order, having rotors, being here. Everyone know we need that. But let's also have an incredible hunger. But when that moment Jesus comes to visit, we know he's already here, he's living in us, I get that. But when that made known presence of God, all right, when the omni becomes made known and responds with the inner, when the three of them align like a trinity of his presence. Even those who are involved in structure can say, everything's taken care of, let's just concentrate on what he's doing. So again, I really believe the future belongs to people of faith. And that's why you guys are in a good position, because you're a house of faith. And uh, a lot of what you've built this work upon has been upon faith. So you're in good days ahead. And um, I think over the years, you've had to learn things that weren't, natural to you but you did and you did them well but this season is going to be something that's very natural to you all right where you're going to say i was i was built for this moment both of you where's where's sandra as well you're built for this moment this moment that's coming isn't going to feel like something you're going to have to learn how to wear I just see you guys reaching into the wardrobe and taking out a garment that you know how to wear. And you're going to say, really, I'm allowed to wear this? I know how to wear this. Whoever the Lord's leading you into next as a church, it's going to feel more like home than what the last 10 years has felt like. Not that you haven't done well in the different seasons, but this one's going to, because everything that God invested into you in faith, is coming to the surface. We spoke earlier, you could feel it coming to the surface again. It's because God's looking for a people who will walk by faith now. And um, you guys don't need to go to the classroom. You need to go to the front of the classroom. And I just see the Lord promoting you and giving you promotion in your voice in helping others to understand faith in this moment. Expect some unusual calls because I think your guys, even though we all claim we've forgotten some stuff, what you've forgotten is more than what most people have learned. 
So it's God's reenacting faith within your hearts and bringing you back through a remembrance course. It's because it's going to be a part of your future here. It really is. Um, the winner's crown. I really think that, that's key. I really felt um, a weight upon that when I was sharing it with you. If we could all have a takeaway today. I'm not doing this for anything you give me. Anything that life can give me. I caught a glimpse when Andy was preaching of a crown that's in a, war, uh, a crown that's in a storage cupboard. It's got my name on it. I want that crown. I'll spend the rest of my days to get that crown. I've got my robe of righteousness. That's not an issue. It's the crown. It's the crown. I want the winner's crown. And I think, yeah, I just think faith is going to be really key to what you are. You're going to see things happening in the room that aren't happening. More and more. You're going to see that. Um, and one of the reasons your eyes have been under attack is because God's going to begin to cause you to see more in the things of God than you've ever seen. The enemy attacks when he knows God's on the move, not knowing what he's doing. Father, I pray right now for his eyes. Holy Spirit, move in his eyes. Thank you that the treasure of who you are is so evidently in the container and the clay, the clay jar of this lady. You said that if the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead dwell in you, he would quicken your mortal body. So eyes, ducts, whatever is involved, be quickened by a move of the Holy Spirit. Be quickened by a move of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Like a nuclear radiation seepage. Come out of the jar within. And mend what needs to be mended. Restore what needs to be restored. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for a move of the Holy Spirit that affects his eyes and everything involved in this. Father, your word says you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So eyes, we command you, come into alignment with the word of God. Recover. May you be exposed to an, a, a seepage of Holy Spirit life from the jar within your life. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, the Lord wants to, um, he wants you to see more than you've seen. But it's not actually with your eyes open, it's when they're closed. And I just sense the Lord wants to begin to just show you things again where you look at a room and then you open your eyes and it's not what you see. Both of you, both you, Andrea and Judith, your eyes, both your eyes. Father, we thank you for vision, fresh vision. Thank you, Father. Lord, I thank you that what they see with their eyes shut is the truth. What they see when their eyes open is changeable. Father, I thank you that you just cause faith to rise in all of these leaders, Father. I thank you for a surge of faith. A surge of faith. Father, as they live in your word, your word releases faith within them. Father, as they live under your word, your word releases faith. Father, we thank you, Father, for the plans you have for this church. Thank you for the stand that they've always taken for your kingdom and for kingdom ways. Father, I thank you that actually, Father, things are turning and people will come now to learn from them about walking with you. Holy Spirit, thank you that you just fill the hearts of these leaders afresh. Yes, Do you know the Holy Spirit, when we're born again, we're, we're, we're born of the Spirit. And sometimes I think Pentecostals get more confused about born of the Spirit and filled with the Spirit. But to me it's kind of simple. It's 
we become spiritually alive when we're born again. But when we come to a moment when we say, Holy Spirit, do whatever you want to do in my life. And suddenly he feels the life that he now inhabits. And to me, that's a filling of the Spirit. So I just pray over every one of you today. Don't be drunk with other things. Don't be overwhelmed. Don't be under the influence of other things. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Don't be under the influence of fear, worry, anxiety, alcohol, drugs, any other thing. Instead, be filled with the life of the Holy Spirit, the life of the Spirit of Jesus Christ now living in us. Quicken us, Holy Spirit. Quicken us, Holy Spirit. Quicken us. Let the jar break through. Let the treasure within the jar break through into the flesh of who we are, our thinking, our reasoning, even our skin. God, let there be a a, a nuclear reaction, a, a, a seepage of your life within us. Just lift your hands. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let the one who moved within you at conversion now have full reign of the house. Every thought, attitude, motive, agenda. Fill us, Holy Spirit. Fill us. See, revival is not coming from a building. It's coming from people. It's coming from people. It's when God inside them can no longer be kept quiet or contained. It's when the treasure within the earthen vessel, the light that God spoke into darkness as he did in Genesis, breaks out and can't be contained. Right now, I release, release a fresh move of the Holy Spirit in your life. Oh, Holy Spirit, surge right now. Surge, surge, surge. Oh, in the meaning of our life, flow, Holy Spirit. We want to be spiritual leaders. Those fully awake to who you are. Conscious of what you're birthing within us. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, this next section of the book is called Spiritual People. Spiritual people being led by the Spirit, being used by the Holy Spirit, walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, causing others to be born again in the Spirit and not just saved. Spirit-filled, Spirit-filled lives. Come on, just welcome Him afresh in your life today. Come on, we're the leaders of the church. Welcome Him afresh in your life. Let the one, you know, Christ is now incarnate in you. Isn't that awesome? But just as God became incarnate in Christ, Christ is now incarnate in you. He came to live in you. The old man is dead. It's no longer you that live, but Christ. Think about that. It's no longer self that lives, but Christ himself who now lives within you, dwells within you. He made you holy so he could wholly dwell in you. He made your life of such holiness that his own spirit could come and live and reign within you. We open every door, Holy Spirit. We open every window. We say, access all areas, Lord. Anywhere you want to go in our lives, in our thinking, in what we do, in what we believe, go, Holy Spirit, reach every part of us. Have a mission trip within our lives, Holy Spirit. Fill every place with the glory and the presence of who you are. Thank you for a move of your Holy Oh, there's going to be a move of the Holy Spirit coming on this earth. On this, uh, and this place is ripe for a move of the Holy Spirit. Thank you. Listen, we need to be speaking in tongues more than we've spoken in tongues. I was speaking to a young man the other day and he said, well, you know, I know the Holy Spirit gives some people the ability to speak in tongues. That's a load of rubbish. That's totally a load of rubbish. 
I said, do you believe a person came to live in you? They said, well, yeah, the Bible teaches the person of the Holy Spirit. I said, was he mute? Was he mute? Is God mute? He said, well, no. I said, let him speak. Let him speak. You know, recently, the Lord's been saying to me and Gina, speak in tongues. Over situations, speak in tongues. And I kind of said, why the emphasis, Lord? And he said, where everything in your life at the moment is unknown. How are you going to pray about unknown things with known words? If so much of your future is unknown to you, how are you going to pray about unknown things with known words? Come on, we pray in the Spirit. I remember a while ago, the last time the Lord said to speak in tongues in, in, in a greater measure. And I said, why? He said, because when you pray in the Spirit, your prayers are not contaminated by your soul. When you pray in your own understanding, your words are contaminated by your greeds, your unbelief, your skepticism. But when you pray in the Spirit, your words are uncontaminated. You see, when we pray in the natural, we pray self-preserving prayers. When we pray in the Spirit, you know, the Holy Spirit says, no, don't do that for him. Don't, whatever you do, don't do that. It will kill him. We need to be praying in the Spirit. But understanding that it's a language coming from a person. Okay, it's a language. Well, I struggle praying in tongues. Then stop doing it. Let him do it. Let him pray. You start the flow and let him pray. Come on, Holy Spirit, pray in me. You know, I saw something in Romans 8. I'd not sinned um, uh, before. And it was how in Romans 8, both sides of that verse, um, you know, where it says, and all things work together for the good of those. Actually, just before it, it speaks, Paul speaks of the Holy Spirit now in you interceding. And then the other side of it, it speaks of Jesus at the throne interceding for you. But actually, when we pray in the Holy Spirit, we give union to the two parts of the Godhead to agree when we don't understand what's going on. And then all things work together for good. Isn't it incredible that one person of the Holy Spirit intercedes within us? And the other part, we know there's three parts, three persons, is on the throne interceding for us. We know Christ the intercessor. But when we pray in the Spirit, we allow God inside of us and God on the throne to come into agreement concerning the things we're praying about. Shina masana mariendi alaba sanama kareendi karamasanduro bobokobobo sigalaba. Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. This he spoke concerning the Spirit who was not yet given because Christ was not yet glorified. Oh, he is glorified. He's seated on the throne. Jesus is still on the throne. Jesus is still on the throne. No matter what Sky News says or BBC, Jesus is still on the throne. No matter what circumstances are saying to you, Jesus is still on the throne. Our King is still on the throne. Our King is still on the throne. His promises are certain. Nothing surprises him. God's reviving people right now. There's a revival breaking out in some people right now. There's a revival breaking out. Weariness is going right now. Weariness is going. Oh, fear is going right now. Fear is going. God didn't give you a spirit of fear. God didn't give you a spirit of fear. If God didn't give it to you, you don't need to accommodate it or receive it. Be gone, every spirit of fear. Anxiety, worry. Be filled with strength in the inner man. Sura babara babara babasi alama. Nora basondo kobara mababa babasi elianda. Wora basiberianda. Fan that fire, Lord. Fan that fire, Lord. Thank you for flames breaking out, Lord. Fires breaking back into flame right now. Embers breaking back into flame right now. Oh, 
Robo bobo barabakia la maravara babasia la varababasia la mana marabara bar sonduraba moraba beberi andaravara babasia la varabobobobobo fire 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 in your innermost being fire holy spirit breaking out inside of you breaking in the rooms breaking in the parts sukarababa everywhere the river goes it brings life Hope's being restored. Hope's being restored. People being healed right now. People being healed right now. People being healed right now. As the Spirit quickens your mortal body. That which can't remain has to leave. That which can't remain has to leave. Sickness is not of God. So it has to leave bodies. When the Spirit starts moving, when the Spirit starts moving, every other spirit begins to move. Every other thing begins to move. Oh, move, Holy Spirit, in our lives. Have your way. Blow on through, Lord. Blow on through, Lord. Blow on through, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that this is a church on fire. A church on fire. Thank you that the fire that you've lit in the hearts of your leaders. No blanket called COVID could put it out. It's phosphorus. It just needs the mere breeze of wind and it bursts back into flame. God, nothing over the last two years can stop the fire of your spirit in this place. Nothing, Lord, nothing can stop the fire of your spirit. It can prune and it can refine, but it cannot stop what you're doing. Cannot. It hasn't got the power or the authority to stop what you've ordained on the earth. You've pruned us, Lord. Now let us bear fruit. You've pruned us, Lord. You've pruned the branches. You've pruned the leaves. Now let us multiply and be more fruitful for you, Lord, than we've ever been before. God, when you prune, when the hand of a father prunes, it's because you're going to bear more fruit through us, Lord God. We set our eyes to run, Lord. Jesus, that thought of you presenting us with a crown. Jesus, it rocks our world. It rocks our world. Father, let that crown be embedded in our, in our consciousness. Let it be the motive and the driver, the agenda and the fuel behind our run. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Just let him soak in just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. As God caused light to shine in darkness, so the light of his good news, the light of his spirit has been shone in the darkness of our heart. An explosion like Genesis in the inner part of a man when they're newly born again. Oh, we give thanks to our mums and dads who gave us naturally flesh births. But we give greater thanks to the one who caused our second birth. But delivered us from the soulishness of humanity to being spiritually alive to God. Thank you for our second birth, Jesus. Thank you that no one can see the kingdom unless they're born again. But the moment we're born of your spirit, we see a whole other world. Oh, praise you, Jesus. I just feel a fresh revelation coming on the whole teaching of new birth. I just believe the Holy Spirit is going to begin to put his hands on that whole thought of what it is to be born again. And people are going to understand it like they've never understood it. And be changed in a moment when they understand that God has made them spiritually alive. But they're no longer flesh, soul, self. They're now spiritually alive to God. Oh, we thank you, Lord, that our lives are now positioned and hidden in you. And your life has been deposited in us, Father. 
these things are so wonderful we can't even begin to grasp. But Holy Spirit, you lead us into the understanding of the one who now lives inside. And from that, Father, we find declarations rolling across our lips. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nothing is too difficult. If God is for me, who can be against me? Amen. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Just let the Holy Spirit fill you, you know. Um, Whether you're a car, a petrol station, or a petrol, you know, machine, or, or the forecourt, we've all got a lift filled. You know, if you're a car, you don't go far if your car's not filled. But leaders are actually petrol pumps that fill other people's cars. So we've got to live lives that are filled. But also, sometimes leaders become forecourts where you're filling pumps that fill cars. And whatever that equation, I heard it put that way once, and it really spoke loud to me. But we just need to live lives in this hour that are filled with him. Filled with his spirit life. Thank you, Father. Father, we give you thanks today for all you've spoken and all you've done. We give you praise. Amen. Amen. Well, that was a good ending, wasn't it? No one saw that coming. He blew in. He blew in. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Pastor Andy. Hasn't the Lord done an amazing work tonight? this afternoon? Tonight, it is tonight, isn't it? See, I'm seeing ahead. What an amazing time. Holy Spirit, seal what you've already spoken, what you've already done. And Lord, we, we want to be ongoing <laughs> distributors of your life. I just want to thank you for this race that's marked out before us. I want to thank you for the reaching, the retaining, and the releasing that is all part of our individual race and our race as a body, as a church here. And Lord, I want to thank you that you've put in all of our hearts and minds this afternoon to look forward to that crown, that amazing crown that is laid up for us who run Father, thank you that we will run and not grow weary. And I want to thank you. You have lifted off weariness. You've restored joy. You've given us the power of your spirit in a fresh way this afternoon. And you've given us wisdom from heaven. And Lord, may we live faithfully with what we've received. And just go out and make a difference, even this afternoon. Thank you, Jesus. We've gratefully received. (laughs) Amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Tell everybody that there's even more blessing tomorrow. There's even more tomorrow. So please do get the news out. Uh, Unsaved people as well as those you know who are saved. And uh, yeah. And let's believe for some, like uh, a few of you are just out of isolation, let's believe for more to, to, to join us tomorrow. Thank you so much. We've, re- we've really been blessed. I've been blessed. <laughs>